Hey, this is Pastor Nate Cook, and you're listening to Pontificating Pastors, a podcast where we lock two pastors in a room and just let them talk about anything and everything. My friend Michael Pig is a church planner in San Marcos, Texas, and I'm a traditional church pastor here in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Today on the podcast, Michael and Nate welcome J.J. Tuttle to the show as our special guest. And we talk about if size matters. We're talking about churches. It's not that kind of show, kids. So we're just calling this one the one about if size matters. So we hope you'll sit back and relax and enjoy this episode of Pontificating Pastors. Hey, Michael. How's it going this week? It's going well. How are you? I'm doing good, and you have a you have a guest with us today. We, it's a guest on the podcast. I do named man. JJ. It is JJ Tuttle. He's from Nevada. He's a pastor out there. And uh, tell everybody hi, JJ. Well, hello, long time listener, first time podcaster. <laughs> yeah, well, it's always good to have long time listeners. We have to scour. Long and hard to find a long time. <laughs> We've gone. Apparently, the JJ and I met back in the day at an LC, so that's good to know. And uh, I think this is going to be a lot of fun today. Yes, I'm excited. Absolutely, I'm excited. So uh, I guess you have some news for us. You couldn't wait to tell. Oh, hey, you know we had a great Sunday yesterday. Um, uh, why was your Sunday great? Because the, JJ preached. Yeah, this is the preacher. And so, <laughs> oh, that must be why everybody showed up. Yeah, that's right. So we broke 100. Um, and my mother-in-law, when Shelly said, hey, we had over 100 people there um, for the first time, uh, my mother-in-law said, you should hire JJ. <laughs> so, there you go. Thanks a lot. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. You know, I came back and we had some visitors when Noah preached. And they said... Uh, yeah, you were gone when we visited, and uh, but that guy who preached did so good, we decided to come back. And I said, well, I guess I got a lot of pressure on me now because no I got to live up to no Noah. Lie. So that's a good thing when your intern gets people to come back, you know? Yes. It's pretty fun. Absolutely. So JJ shows up, and you guys immediately swell over 100. I think it's the anointing. It this is. is what I'm going to yeah. say. <laughs> It's the anointing. Yes. Well, and the yes. the week before was, you know, uh, I was out of town because I was visiting you. Yeah, I, I we really had a great time. Yeah, I told you in my living room. I said we were playing a game, and I was just like, "It's so good to actually have you in my home." because yeah. we've been together a lot. I don't know how many times I've been in your home by myself. And you've been in my home here and there, but it's very rare that our whole families are in the home together. It is. It like, is. I don't know if that's ever happened, honestly. I, not in homes. We've been in the same place at the same time for different functions and events, but we've never yeah. been in each other's home. And so now you'll have to come to my home, but you've got a daughter-in-law now, whole... so Kobe will have to come with you. Yeah, yeah, I cooked a whole horde of tortellini, didn't I? You did. Me and Paula... I, it was swelling over the pot. It was. You know, we had tortellini for like three days for lunch because we were not going to be short. <laughs> really? Yeah. It was. 
Well, it was good leftover. Well, we ate really some good. kind of spicy pretzel thing that that. Oh yeah, Paula and your made. wife got the recipe. She had to get week. the recipe, and and JJ and I had that for lunch today. Those are so yeah. good, Paula. <laughs> people at her work make those, and they this lady was making them, and they would fight over them like literally. Really? Like yeah, you know, punching I mean, each other and stuff. Because they put an addictive chemical in it that makes you crave, <laughs> crave it for fortnightly. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, though, that they have the opposite of breath mints. Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah, yeah they've got ranch. They've got ranch in them, and they've got some, uh, what's, it's a real hot something. I can't remember, but, um, yeah, the ranch in, in and of itself is enough. Yeah. It just, yeah. It gives you that. Judah went to hug his mom tonight, and she had been eating some pretzels, some of those pretzels. Oh, and he goodness. Said, mom, your breath stinks, you know, because we've raised him right. He's not rude at all. Yeah, <laughs> I learned early on in marriage not to say that to Paul. No. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like a Tic Tac? <laughs> some of the worst moments of, of my early marriage were making comments about my wife's breath. Oh, and then, that's like, a bad idea. Yeah, it was horrible. I'm an idiot. You should have known better. I I have learned, although now that I've mentioned it on the podcast, does that count? (laughs) Because I'll I'll tell you later if it counted or not. Yeah. JJ told a story on Sunday morning that uh, I'm pretty sure he couldn't have told if if Julie had been present. Oh, she's heard me tell it before. She has? Okay. All right. Interesting thing. I was... Oh, go ahead. About no, I was gonna say just about it, it ends with her peeing her pants all over the place. Yeah. So, so. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. It starts with him getting we... running out of the shower. <laughs> so it sounds like a really good story. Good it sounds story. like one that might even need to be on the podcast. <laughs> well, you can you can go check it out at uh, on our Wayfinders Facebook page. Oh, uh, yeah, so go. you're pushing there more you go. numbers. Drive, drive, the drive the traffic. Drive the traffic. Driving it. <laughs> You guys are like a whole brand. Oh, wait, that's how you started. Um, no, but seriously, I told a young uh, preacher who we're having young preachers come to our church on Sunday night and we're, we're calling this thing like new voices in preaching. I told one of them, hey, dude, if you tell that story, you need to check with the person who's in the story because I learned early on in preaching not to throw your family under the bus because it can be pretty painful. Oh yeah, it can so, make for some really awkward Thanksgivings yeah, and Christmas. I, and I mean, it was a good story to illustrate uh, what he's trying to illustrate, but I just want to make sure the other person knew the story was going to be told. So, anyway, hey Nate, let so, me ask you a question: Have you ever yelled at a parishioner during a basketball game? A parishioner? Yeah, I've yelled at people. But I've never yelled at a parishioner. I've gotten a technical foul at extravaganza. Does that count? <laughs> That's what I was looking for. Because we were talking yeah. about, you know, being competitive enough that I, I I I had to quit playing church league softball for a while because I because I yelled at too many umpires, you know, and I had to, I was tired of apologizing to people. So we were talking about, you know, just yeah. being competitive and, and how, you know, pastors are human beings too, but we we sometimes have to hide that fact, you know. So. Yeah, when I went to basketball games, I just warned everybody. And once they went, like when I was watching my kids, it was like they knew I was passionate about the game because I played. And really the ref thing, though, was more mom. Because sometimes she hadn't played in high school and she didn't know that 
intricacies of the rules, but somebody was calling a foul on her baby. <laughs> and there was one instance where I I was kind and I turned because I used to you remember I used to live stream their games in the state playoffs because yes. my dad was in Ohio. Uh-huh. And well, that's how I watched them. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So one time Paula headed towards the rail at the ref. And I turned the camera the other way so no one would see it. But now it's on a podcast. So um, she was, because Nathan had fouled out of the state quarterfinal game. And it was a horrible call, in my opinion, too. But but Mama Bear came out and her claws were, yeah. were out. Oh, yeah. So, Shelly Shelley yeah. is known to yell at uh, church league softball games, Michael Pig, you're better than that from the stands, you know. So. Yeah, and when our well, boys are playing, I have to I have to disassociate a little bit so we don't you know advertise yeah. to the crowd that the pastor's wife has lost her cool. Yeah, so that's that's an interesting thing, and you know what's interesting now is I go to games as a spectator only, and I don't have all this vested like my kids not out there and like worked with them on all these drills and all, and it's like. Man, I see these parents acting like idiots, and I'm like, "What are you doing? It's just a game." And I, I realized that I was that idiot, you know. Like, <laughs> it was only three years ago I was the idiot, so, um, or only two years ago, I guess. Yeah. That Tyler was playing. So. Tyler was playing. Um, yeah. So it was definitely, uh, it definitely is an interesting perspective changer. Yeah. But we were going to talk about metrics today and maybe a little bit of uh, because JJ planted a church, but now it's more of a traditional church. So he's like the perfect combination of us. This is why when he showed up, your church just automatically was healed. (laughs) Healed. Healed. Healed because I had. As if it were broken before. (laughs) Because I was just hurting everybody and JJ came to fix it. I'm just kidding. Really, um, I went to a retreat. Um, a while back, it, it actually almost a month ago, and uh, not even a month ago. I mean, it's right the first of February, I guess. Yeah, and I went to this ago. retreat, and before I left for the retreat, I I texted JJ, and I was, you know, I was just in that funk. You know, I don't know if our listeners know, but pastors get in a funk sometimes, and we start questioning. Oh yeah. You know, what's the point of this and what's the point of that? And that was exactly what your text said. Yeah. Does this all still matter? Yeah, does this all matter? <laughs> Should I, what am I doing something, you know, right? Am I, is it worthy? You know, these kind of things, you know, of course it is. Yeah. Um, it always is, but just, you know, self-doubt uh, sneaks in and you get overwhelmed. And I had mentioned to the congregation that I was feeling overwhelmed and they, and I had this overwhelming response just... You know, through the last month, my congregation members who heard me say that about feeling overwhelmed just came up to me and have said, how can I help? What can I do? They've just responded in the kindest and most beautiful ways, and I appreciate them. I wish I were better at answering the question, how can I help? Hmm. I wish I had a response, you know, Um, but I've been able to go back to at least several of the men who said that to me. Uh, in the past week or two, and say, you know, you asked me that question, I didn't really have an answer for you, and I've thought about it, and this is it, and they've said yes, and some of the things that God has opened the door for, um, because of that yes, and because of that, uh, you know, confession of being overwhelmed, um, you know, they it's just been beautiful, and and so I went to this retreat, and 
at the retreat, one of the speakers was saying something about, you know, if you're getting overwhelmed, and he told a story about his 3 a.m. friend, you know, like at 3 a.m. when no one else is, uh, will answer the phone, who do you call and who will answer and who will come and who will be there for you? And I'll, honestly, you know, I, I probably have, you know, a good group of 3 a.m. friends. But even, even if you have a group of 3 a.m. friends, sometimes you begin to believe that you're all alone. Sometimes, you know, you begin to think uh, that you're not worthy to have 3 a.m. friends. Or that why would anybody come and answer my call, you know? And am I just whining? <laughs> Mostly that's my concern, is am I just being a big baby here? Um, and so I don't ask for help. I totally relate. Yeah, I don't ask for help. And so... Uh, he's, they're talking about this, and what's so crazy is that on the way into the canyon, before I lost cell phone service, I had been texting with JJ and said and talking about this, and he had said, "If you need me, I will come." And I, you know, I said, "I don't, I don't know. Let me. I'm headed into the woods for a retreat." Actually, I didn't tell you I was headed into the woods no. for a retreat. He just texted me back and said, "I'll be in the woods for a couple days." I didn't know if he was being literal or figurative. I didn't. <laughs> So I said, no, I'm actually going into the woods. And so then I came. I thought maybe you're golfing. Yeah. Oh, wait, you don't golf. <laughs> I don't. No, I, I, I don't golf. stick golf. I disc golf. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, or ball golf. I'm not sure what you're, just regular you say golf. golf. Just Bob golf? Um, Bob golf. Yeah, Bob yes. golf. I do Bob golf. I like, I like to read his stuff. But um, I, I was just so impressed um, by the speaker saying that, and so overwhelmed, it was like the spirit said, "You need to let JJ come." Well, I mean, I didn't even make it out of the canyon, and my phone starts populating with, with texts that are backlogged, and one of the one of the notifications pops up on the screen, and it tells me that he's already booked the flight. Like, oh he wow, didn't, yeah. <laughs> he didn't wait for me uh, to to do so, and so JJ's a, a 3 a.m. friend of mine. Uh, Nate, awesome. I, I certainly would think of you as a 3 a.m. friend. And so it's just, um, without getting emotional, because <laughs> I tend to do that, um, it's just really nice to be sitting here talking with uh, two of my closest friends in the world, and I just really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, and I, Well, that's okay I'm, to get emotional. Now you're going to make us emotional. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm, I'm glad you're here, JJ, and I'm glad to be able yeah, I'm to glad you're here too. do this podcast and, with uh, the two of you today. Yeah, yeah, and so I, I, tell us a little bit about yourself, JJ. Tell us where you're at, what you're doing. I'm, I'm pastoring a church in Carson City, Nevada that we planted 16 years ago. My daughter was three months old uh, when wow. we planted it, and I've had a, I have a, so I have a 16 year old and a 10 year old, um, little boy and a girl. It's girl 16, boys 10. Um, we were there for a long time. We did youth, and we were uh, in charge of all the community stuff. So I was on a planting team. I wasn't on myself. Uh, and we we grew super fast and super shallow, and then the whole thing imploded because we grew too fast, and we didn't know what oh, to do man. about it. And, uh, and then we had a, a group of people that thought that uh, we didn't do things right, so they burnt our church down, and we were struggling. Literally? Yeah, yeah. They... they, they Hey, I Fire can engines, FBI, ATF, the whole nine yards, man. I've been there, man. Yeah? Arson, too? Yeah. Yeah, it was not a group of people from the church. It was a kid from our neighborhood. Well, that's what we ended up finding out. It was one. Of, we had an yeah. indoor skate park, and it was one of those kids. We thought it was a group that hated us, but... Uh, gotcha. 
Yeah, and, it's uh, a weird feeling to yeah. know somebody's out to get you and you don't know who it is for a while, huh? Yeah, yeah, it was it, it was it was rough and uh, it was very stressful. It took a huge toll on my wife and I, just uh, trying yeah. to figure this thing out. I didn't even want to be a senior pastor. I wanted to be a youth pastor, and here I am, senior pastor in this church that is now in in turmoil. And and I got tired, and I ran back to youth ministry, left that church, and uh, moved a couple hours away and worked for a a friend and. And uh, it took a whole about a year before I realized I should not be here. I should still be there. And we stayed for about four years in Chico, California, doing youth ministry out in Northern California. And uh, then the church that I helped plant, and this is about eight years later, sends me a text message on a Sunday morning and said, our pastor just resigned. Do you want to come back and work for free? And <laughs> I texted back, yes. And so oh, wow. we moved back. And God just did amazing things, answering answering all the golden fleeces we could throw out and and uh, making us go back. And so we've been back now almost eight years uh, since we moved back. So we helped plant, we left, we came back. And so that's that's a whole other weird dynamic of coming back to a church that you were a part of for a long time and and uh, having the community just accept you back in. And now we're now we're rolling. We just bought a building last year and and uh, we're figuring it all out. Dude, our stories are way too alike really? for me right now. I'm just having freak out moments. <laughs> Michael told I'm, me to say I'm all back. that. <laughs> okay. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. <laughs> no, that's true, right? No, it's all true. So yeah, I'm, all true. I'm back at the church that I started in youth ministry volunteering at 24 years ago. Wow. 25 years ago. So um, went a lot of different places between there. But yeah, came back and uh, now I've been there pastor 11 years. Uh, well, 10 years. I don't know. I just added a year for fun. Um, so, but yeah, just coming back somewhere where you were, where, where I got my call. Yeah. It was a uh, pretty interesting to know all the people and just went to the hospital this week. One of our girls that I watched her be born. I didn't watch her. <laughs> That'd be really <laughs> gross. But I, I was there right after she was born. Uh, she was having surgery this week. She's 21 now. It's like, watching these kids get married and stuff and doing some weddings. My son married a girl he was in the nursery with like 20, 21 years wow. ago. It's just crazy. Yeah. We, so, we were talking, yeah. we were talking the other night. Coming just back, about that, boomeranging. I, that was, that was my story. You know, I, I was, I watched Maggie being born, but not really watch yeah. Maggie being born. <laughs> not but I remember really, staring yeah. and staring at her in the little nursery and, and yeah. now she's all grown up. Yeah. Yeah. She, she was at my house till 1am last night. Watching the dark night for the first time. We're trying to culture her. <laughs> she, she hadn't seen the Shawshank Redemption either, I don't think. And you quote that movie constantly, Michael. I do, but do I want my daughter watching a prison movie? <laughs> like, I don't want her hey, to watch Hey, just in that. case, you never know. Maggie's yeah. a wild one. By the way, Maggie was telling me that she might be one of the young clergy voices on your Sunday night program. It's not young clergy. That's a oh. whole other thing. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> That's a whole network. All right. We're just doing coffee and theology, new preachers, new voices is what we're calling them. But it's okay. okay. You can call them young clergy because they are. Well, um, yeah, I don't really but, pay good attention. I don't know if you noticed that. but Yeah, I do. I try. Okay. I learned the first time you told me I don't even listen to our own podcast. <laughs> like once it's out there, I was in the conversation. I don't listen to it after you put it out there. I'm like, <laughs> how do you not... But then I went and listened, and you do this little intro thing that I didn't know was yeah. in there. So it's cool. So. It's cool.
so we were going to talk a little bit about metrics, and I think that's a really good conversation, especially since right now apparently Michael is all about metrics, <laughs> and it's like. You know how it is. It's like, oh, I don't care about the numbers when things aren't going good. And then they start going good. And like, oh, we had 500. Yeah, and yeah. no, I'm just joking. Um, no, because about... I do care about the numbers the whole time. I just don't tell anybody about them when they're low. Did you say you do care about I them the whole time? I do care about them because yeah. those are the things that causes me despair. When, <laughs> when the only people there are either the praise team or the people related to the praise team members and everybody there had a hand in set up and tear down like you know that's well, kind of a you're like everybody here had a job to do and so there was you know we like to exist for people who have not yet arrived and and make a yeah. welcoming space and so when you don't get to welcome someone that's like throwing a party and nobody's showing up kind of a thing and it really is and like preaching is different when the the seats are empty i don't think people know that like Preaching is such a, it's a conversation. Yeah. I remember when you came to our church, you were like, it was really good to hear you so laid back and conversational. And mm. I was like, am I usually not? And you're like, well, I've only heard you at camps. And it's true. I don't know the people at the camps. Like, like I don't know those kids. I'm just getting to know them. But when you know the people, I mean, there are jokes that people get because you've been together. I mean, there's all kinds of things that you just, feel much more comfortable and when the people aren't there it feels really weird to try to talk to each other yeah absolutely <laughs> and when you go when, like we doubled in size since december and so yeah there's just a whole different dynamic and you're looking at different faces jj commented to me that you know you look in the crowd and you look for the people who are smiling at you and agreeing with you so that you know where to come back to when it gets a little dead in the room or whatever when, yeah. when you're not sure if that comment landed Yeah, or those not. people listening, encouragers are very important <laughs> in a service. To see someone yeah. smiling back at you when you're preaching is one of the best things you can ask for. Sure. I don't know if our listeners know that. That's a good point. Um, because you actually help preachers. Oh, yeah. Like when you're, when you're responding and when you're listening, I mean, the preacher uh, really can feed off of that. The other thing is... Um, yeah, I have a lady that talks back to me, and it's my favorite thing, because I know I've like stepped on somebody's toes when she says like, "Oh my," <laughs> her name's Curly, and Curly's ninety years old, and it's like the best thing ever. The um the, the issue with metrics is that I asked JJ to tell me uh, like he made a flywheel comment because I said, "Why is one hundred? Why does that even matter to me?" Like that's a strange. Seem you know it seems arbitrary that just 100 somehow matters more than than 90 matters more than 80 matters more than you know I know because the one really matters more than the 99 right yeah <laughs> but then all of a sudden all all of a sudden like last Easter we but had, that guy had a hundred sheep well yeah <laughs> well last year we had at Easter t the Easter service that we had we had 99 people and it was just such a oh. I don't know. Like it felt like we we, we hit ninety nine that first year probably a dozen times, uh -huh. and then we would drop back down to ninety, but they'd be like ninety nine. But that that hundred barrier was like, it was tough. And I can't even remember the name the the name of the book that I read it in. Um, this whole flywheel thing that you're talking about, I can't. Yeah. Uh, so I wish I could credit it where it needs to go, but I don't remember. It was sixteen years ago, and 
there's something about that that number hundred that's a that's a the tipping point number. You know, it's like a flywheel. When you get a flywheel going, it takes a lot of inertia to get the flywheel actually spinning. Once it spins, it spins on its own. And so getting past that 100 is a tough spot. And then you have 150, and then it's 200, and then it's 500, and then after that, you just get way too big. <laughs> yeah. It's just out of control. <laughs> I, am, I, I remember like a couple of weeks ago when we, fart, when we first started seeing uh, 80 people in, in redundancy that... I, I just confess to the congregation, in case y'all don't know, this thing's out of control. Like, wh- <laughs> whatever you think I'm planning, whatever you think I'm in charge of, um, I, I'm out of control here. Like, this, the Lord yeah. is, the Lord has the reins, and he's taking care of us, and he's guiding us. And so uh, the, the whole problem is that metrics uh, tend to, they can, they can corrupt our, our joy, uh, pretty easily, you know, and so when the numbers are too low, or the number of volunteers is too low, or the there's not enough money coming in uh, from the giving, uh, you know, there's just so many numbers and so many spreadsheets that have a tendency to have a great effect on our mood, and I'm not sure that that's the greatest metric, because, you know, there's a lot of stories that uh, I've been just... Uh, in my in my overwhelmed state and JJ's visit, the most important thing I've been able to do, and I didn't know this before he got here, was that I just got to tell the stories of all and drive. You know, I just we got in the car and we went from point to point to point, and I got to say that's at this place this happened, right? Like kind of the 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 stacking of stones, uh, right? And and so it's just been. I didn't realize how important, you know, and I've, I've quoted that scripture before that says we do battle with the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. But right. being able to have somebody who had never heard any, you know, JJ and I talk about our families, but we don't necessarily call and talk about the church. Um, and so, and we talk about our history and we talk about our future and where the kids are going and how our wives are doing, but we don't talk about uh, the churches as much because that's just not the... Uh, that's not the conversation we normally have. Um, usually we talk about how are we going to plan a vacation where we end up in the same place, you know, um, and, and, yeah. and get our families together. But um, it just, it's been so good to tell the story. And I realized just how important the, the story metric is, the narrative that you're living in. And, it, and it's so important. And I'm, I, was, I was realizing today that I talk a lot um, as a Wesleyan, um, as a Nazarene, I talk a lot about how important the arch, the story arch is, the, the arc of, uh, of the overall narrative of Scripture so that we're not pulling pieces out that we're weaponizing against people. And we have those kind of phrases that we use. But the, the overarching story is so important because you know it helps you remember who you are and why you're doing this. And so it's been very good for me as a metric to be a... But what do you do with that metric that's not quantitative? You can't measure that metric, and that scares us, I think. <laughs> yeah. Sure. And it takes yeah. too much time to communicate. Like, you know, who, who's going to sit still and let me tell them that story over and over? How's the church doing? Here, I'll tell you. It'll take three days, you know, or whatever. Yeah, so we have a story out of our church this year that is really cool. We, You know, we did this, uh, the, the Mr. Rogers series with Won't You Be My Neighbor, and this lady went and took a, like a pumpkin pie to her neighbor who there'd been a little bit of issue with over a dog. Um, 
and the neighbor, she took her grandson, they took this pie. So the neighbor received it. Well, she went, she came to Sunday school, like our connection class, like a week ago and said that neighbor and her husband are literally mending a fence together (laughs) because their fence is down. And so now they need a new fence and they're mending it together. (laughs) And those are the kind of things, I mean, you can't put in a stat sheet. It's like, it's like, okay, so one little act of kindness led to mending fences, literally. You that's, know? that's beautiful. Yeah, because so that that's was, the kind of stuff. I, you know, yeah. JJ's visiting, and he gets to see, uh, you know, Kimberly's testimony and Tony's prayer and uh, hear about uh, Toby's hospital visit and uh, Jeff's hospital visit and, you know, taking in a friend when they're in need and, and the daily struggle of, you know, and just the names of the people. Uh, JJ teases me a lot because I'm always giving too much information and stories. Yeah. I always tell him I don't need to know his address. I, yeah. I don't. I, I do that same thing. That's why we have a podcast together. <laughs> and we interrupt each other to do it. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> and we tell way too much. And so he's just always teasing Lots me about it. I don't need to know his name. But sometimes... I just I don't know how to tell a story without the name in it, you know, because in the background, yeah, in yeah. the background, because yeah. I need you to know the nuances of how glorious this inbreaking of the kingdom of heaven really is. And you know, yeah. he teases me, but he also then, you know, invites the story. <laughs> yeah, well, and the beautiful thing yeah. about that story you just shared, Nate, is you'll tell that story over and over again until somebody says, "Quit telling me that story." And my friend, Pastor Keegan Linker, out in Washington, would say. No, you tell a better story, and I'll stop telling you that story. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Yeah. That's good. Keegan's a sharp yeah. dude. Yeah, he's a sharp dude. Yeah. I like him a lot. I, yeah. Um, yeah, speaking of metrics, so my son was signing people up for extravaganza this week, and he ended up with 14 kids from our church going to extravaganza. Oh, wow. Which is hilarious because... He said, we've never had that many on a Sunday morning yet since I've been here. It's like everybody, but they're not like so-and-so's friend from this school or what. It, they're like actually people that all go to our church. They just never show up at the same time. So um, he was laughing and and he said, man, I think you and mom are more excited than I am. <laughs> I mean, he's excited, but he's like, but he hasn't lived the rest of the story where there was a couple years there uh, between Brent and him we kind of put brent had started working with young adults and so nathan come in and and just me and paula were kind of out there slogging along with the couple of kids we had you know it was just like as a former youth pastor it was the hardest mm-hmm. thing ever like and it's those kids are super important to us like we it doesn't matter if there's you know two or 50 or whatever but um but at some point there was this kind of excitement that came with it and it's like um, you know, it was, it was an interesting thing talking about metric. It was just like all of a sudden we have, you know, this, this group that's just kind of forming, you know, it's pretty neat. Yeah. No, it's that, that excitement of knowing that something's progressing, um, something yeah. that you've been, you've been incubating. I mean, it's, it's your bonsai tree with a new branch, you know, it's the, yeah. it's that new, that's that sprout you know, finally having the first leaf and then before you know it, you turn around and it's a tree and there's just so much value in, in those everyday stories. And I think we, we don't get to really enjoy the metric unless we really do life together. Like, and that's the, 
that's just so uh, hard to communicate. You know, you go to a district assembly or whatever convention that you go to where people are reporting and talking about uh, what they're up to and where they're headed, and uh, and you hear these stories and and uh, and sometimes yeah, and sometimes the stories seem so big. They do, right? And you're seeing so like, small, and you're like, I don't even yeah. want to tell my story right now. You're like, dude. If we're in a if we're in a contest, I just lost this thing. <laughs> yeah. But then you know, there's those people who always tell the biggest story too. You know, they always caught the biggest fish, and you're not sure if the fish is as big as they really say it is, or if it's just <laughs> fish for fish sake. Oh yeah. Uh, speaking there... of which, Nathan just tried to call me and beep in. Hey, did he? Pretty... <laughs> he must have hurt him. His ears were burning. His ears were burning. <laughs> His ears were, you know, yeah. that's the thing is, is metrics are such a dangerous thing sometimes because it's such a comparison game and it's a way that we can get in, yeah. in you know, sort of locked into uh, looking how well everyone else is doing. And when you do the comparison game at some point, um, you know, competition isn't enough and, and bitterness sets in and, and then, then recluse, you know, then you want to yeah. you want to withdraw because you just are convinced that you're not doing it well, um, and you know, I've just <laughs> having JJ come to visit, doing this podcast with you. It keeps me in that positive place where I'm, and and I was in a cohort <laughs> today with Joe Ibanez uh, talking about you know what's going on in Georgetown and um, yeah, I just I listened to his sermon a week ago and I was like, dude, that that guy's a good pastor. He's a great I sent him a text. He does so good. I've, I'm really proud of it. But we get to tell each other week after week, you're doing better than you think you are. You know, you're, you're, (laughs) you're still here. Like I had a lady in our church who told me this week, she said, I I didn't realize how important it was to hear the words. You're still here. You're not, you haven't given over to the darkness. You haven't surrendered to, to, to the wickedness in the world. You, you, you're still here. And there's turn something to, to the be dark said. side. Is that what you just said? <laughs> you haven't turned to the they dark side. Well, they have cookies. I've heard. So, uh. <laughs> I feel like JJ needs to get a, a word in edgewise here for a second. Yeah. So JJ, tell us what you're thinking. Yeah, I, I, you just have to cut us off. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of. See, here's here's my problem though. Is I'm a little starstruck to be honest with you. Like for real. <laughs> oh god. I'm, I'm I'm literally on pontificating pastors, uh, and I don't even. I'm beside myself. But. Um, I, I, metrics well, are a hard thing. This episode will get more listeners than any other. <laughs> I have that just effect. Like, I hear just like Sunday morning. Yeah. Uh, I, I have. I, I we don't celebrate the small church. That's why metrics matter, right? Is because yeah. we hear about the thousand, the two thousand, but we don't hear about that church of sixty that's changed a community and loved on people so much in a way that 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 homelessness is done and and they're housing people in their church building for a month when it's cold and and we don't we don't hear those stories of those small churches they don't have the platform we don't give it to them and so sometimes that jealousy just broods and we start to think the only way to do that and the only way to get a voice is to have that thousand church to have that to have that big church and and uh we i i came to a conclusion a while back that i'm okay being a church of a small a pastor of a small church it, it, it's a it's a good thing for me, and I, not that I don't want to grow, not that I don't want the gospel to get preached and people to come in, but um, there was a, a situation where a family left the church and they went to a bigger church, and their their son was being baptized, and he walked out into the water to be baptized, and the pastor said, "And what's your name?" And I thought to myself, yeah. I never want to have to ask the name of someone I'm baptizing. 
Yeah. And I think that's just a, yeah. one of those things that happens. I mean, they had 200 people baptized that day, so it's going to happen. But Yeah, so what, along with what you're saying, I came to this. God and I have talked a lot about, you know, all of us are like human, any other human being. We have ambitions. We have goals. And so a lot of times for pastors, that looks like the upward mobility of, of the culture, which... I don't know why it should, because Jesus seemed to have a little more downward mobility. Yeah. But, um, yeah. But I, I've three times I've heard God say to me, "Nate, if, if would you be okay just like living and dying for a group of people? I mean, are you okay with that? Like not having to go anywhere or do anything different, just being willing to live in this community, to to cry with people when they lose their friends and family, yeah. you know, to love them, to do their marriages." to dedicate their babies, to walk with them through the toughest mm. moments and the most joyful moments of their life, you know? And and I think it took the third time for me to finally get like, yeah, yeah, I think I'm good. Peter, feed and, my sheep. I, see, yeah, <laughs> feed my sheep, yeah. feed my sheep. Yeah. yeah, and so I'm a little stubborn, you know? I, I My ego tends to pop up here and there, but I think I've gotten to the point where if I never go another place and just I'm able to love these people really well, they have loved me well. I will say that they loved me when I wasn't even didn't even know I was called to ministry, and and have loved my kids. So now my second's thinking about ministry. Wow! And I, I was like, I guess I guess they didn't ruin them from the church. You know, they loved them really well <laughs> when they were younger. Yeah. And so I, you can't always say that. Sometimes churches are hard on pastors' kids. Yeah. So so I think yeah I think what you're saying has a lot of value. Um, and I think we all feel that inadequacy, you know, we all feel that just like everybody else. But the thing with a pastor job that I think people don't realize is it is an impossible job. Like we actually can do nothing of what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. We, we can only point people towards God. That's right. That's right. Like, like everything else we're trying to do. I mean, we can manage budgets and all that stuff, but the real stuff that matters, like is out of our control. Yeah, and so, like sometimes, can, sometimes you don't hear that that story until 20 years down the road. And then yeah. when you had you not said that, or you not sat with me, but it's not, it's not something that happens right away. I do our church website because at the end of the day, I produce something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why I mow the lawn. Cause I can look at it and be like, it's done. Yeah. <laughs> well, not anymore though. Cause I told Michael, he's up here, my new exercise program I don't want to put this out on the air because then I'll stop doing it and be a failure. But that's okay. <laughs> I bought a real mower for my two-acre lot, so every day I mow an hour a day. Because yeah, you're crazy. That's my exercise. Yeah. No, the rest of us. I think it's a mow today because it was raining. Yeah. But you know, I was thinking I spend an hour, forty-five minutes doing push-ups, sit-ups, stuff like that. Might as well be out in my yard getting something productive done. Because then you can see something happen. I'm, I'm with you. I got to have something I can say, okay, that's complete. Yeah. Because everything else we do is not complete. And it's really, you know, it's God's work. And we just get, we get that front row seat, which, uh, who was it? Oh, my son. He's, he, he was writing in his journal, and I don't think he'll mind me sharing this, Tyler. And he, the first line was just getting a front row seat to what people, what God's doing in people's lives. So um, that that was pretty cool. I was like, oh yeah, Michael said that because <laughs> you had said it at a camp. So. Yeah, 
that's so I, I, that's my. So you you're making a difference, Michael, <laughs> in my kids' life. Well, and you're making a difference in my kids' life. Now I'm going to cry, Dad. Gummit. Neither one of my kids <laughs> ever see you. That's so. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've never met you. And, and, and my kids get real irritated. I put the podcast on, so I don't think I was, it's. I was about to say, if if you put them in front of this podcast, we can make a difference. <laughs> They're both like, oh, do we have to listen to the pon- those two guys pontificating again? <laughs> yeah. I- I'm pretty really sure my 10-year-old thinks pontificating is a dirty word. Oh, he does? Yeah. He yeah. thinks it's wrong. They shouldn't be pontificating. Yeah. That's a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it is. It's no lie. And on and on and yeah. on. Uh, yeah. Well, well, that's about all the time we have today, right? I was, I was about to say, any last thoughts? We're at about 40 minutes, so... That's about usually where we wrap it up. Yeah, it's really good to meet you, JJ. Yeah, right back at and, you, man. Uh, I, uh, I think I've seen you online, you know, commenting here and there, and then we met a long time ago. So, hopefully, our paths will cross a little more often in the future. But um, uh, appreciate you being with us today. Absolutely. Appreciate you uh, speaking at Michael's church and, you know, getting to see all the stories. Yeah. Because there's a lot of them down there. I've gotten to see a few of them, too. Yeah. So it's pretty cool stuff. It's been good. All right. Love you, man. Much love to both of you. You take care. We'll see you. Hey, thanks again for listening to Pontificating Pastors. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor or any one of the other platforms. We hope you have a great week.